There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090. Welcome back. It is Friday night. It is Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090, your source for local sports talk in Southern California. Scott Branson, Mo Moten with you. We are Southern California's only all Raiders talk show. And Raider Nation is on the brink. The Raiders now have lost two in a row. And they're in the position where no one wants to be, and that is sort of at this teetering point of their season. Uh, they've had winning records through nine games in each of the last three, three seasons, yet they've never finished above 500. Will that happen again? Are we seeing another November-December collapse? We will learn probably on Sunday when they play the Bengals, the Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals, also the losers of two straight after a hot start. Very similar, these two teams in that way. Thanks for being with us tonight, everybody. Um, And I bring in my partner, Mo Moten. He is the national NFL senior writer over at Bleacher Report. And Mo, uh, I saw you on Twitter this week a little little more, um, what's the word I want to use? A little more salty. Uh, a little more fiery <laughs> when you were talking about the Raiders. Um, it's kind of time to put up or shut up, isn't it, Mo? Uh, there, there are two things that are bothering me this week. I just want to get this off of my chest at the top of the show. Number one, people who are closing the book on the season because the Raiders lost Henry Ruggs. I don't want to hear the excuses with that because I, teams run into issues all the time. I, I watched the Packers beat the undefeated Arizona Cardinals without Devontae Parker. I watched the Cleveland Browns run over the Denver Broncos with a third-string quarterback. I'm watching the Tennessee Titans win games without Derrick Henry. So don't give me Henry Ruggs is gone so we have to fold the season. That's number one. Number two. <laughs> but, number two, and, and this whole thing goes to with the Derrick Carr comment. He's saying this team is different, and I understand that's how he has to answer the question. As the leader of the football team, what else do you expect him to say? Because if he pauses or says something, anything different, they're going to say, well, you don't think this team is different? You don't think this team can get over the hump this third time around? So I get when Derek Carr says, this team is different. We're going to get over it. That's what he has to say. He's going to win the press conference. That's what he does. The Raiders have to get on the field, and they have to win football games. And I think they have enough talent to do that. And, again, people are writing the obituary for this 2021 team right now. I'm saying, hold up. I know you guys have been through two seasons of a collapse, but they have enough turnaround. They just have to get it together and they have the pieces to do it. Well, and, and Mo, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I think I think the Raiders roster is a good roster. Is it a roster that could make the playoffs? I think so. Is it a roster that wins a Super Bowl? I'm not sure it's there, but to your point, I think you have to go out and you have to do it on the field. I think Derek Carr is right to your point about, hey, look, what's he going to say? I mean, I don't understand what people want these guys to go up there and say, hey, guys, we've given up. We hate everybody. Um, yeah, it sucks being a Raider. See you later. I mean, what, what do you want these people to say? They're, they're professionals. Like, we've all had jobs where we don't like our bosses and we want to get the hell out of there, right? But we don't go into work every day and say, hey, guys, I'm looking for a job. I'd like to get the heck out of here because you all suck, right? Nobody does that. So, so I agree with you. But you look at this Raiders offense, for example, 
they put up 30 points back-to-back games before week eight, right? Now they've scored 16 and 14 in the two losses. What's different? To your point, oh, Henry Ruggs, Henry Ruggs. Yeah, that is true. But where's Darren Waller, by the way? Everybody gives Darren Waller a pass. Well, they must be covering him. I watched the, uh, the film, Mo, and yes, there's definitely times when he's not open, okay? Every player has times when they're not open. But I'm concerned where Darren Waller is. Darren Waller needs to step up. So don't tell me you can't win without Henry Ruggs. Of course, the Raiders went out and signed wide receiver Tyron Johnson, uh, in, a, in a corresponding move, they released Marcel Aitman off the practice squad. I think Tyron Johnson will be activated pretty quickly. A good little pickup, maybe a sneaky good pickup for the Raiders to get some speed there. But, Mo, they got plenty, plenty of offensive firepower. So why the excuses then? Yeah, there are two things here. There's a stat rolling around out there, and that's Darren Wallace had the most separation on man coverage. Mm. So apparently he's getting open, but he's not getting the ball. And I know people are going to go, oh, he's most blaming Derek Carr. Well, Derek Carr's got the football in his hands. He's got to make better decisions with the football. Greg Olson has to scheme for his best player. I watched Travis Kelsey get the ball. How many times has Raiders bounced off of him last week on those tackles? Everyone knows Travis Kelsey's going to get the ball. Yes, he has Tyreek Hill. But at, at some point, you knew Travis Kelsey was going to get the ball the way he was tearing up the Raiders' defense. And he still got the ball, still got yardage. So if he can get open get the ball so can darren waller now to your point about Teron johnson you stole my thunder a little bit there but i really <laughs> like <laughs> i really like that pickup his first three catches his first three nfl catches 54 yards 50 yards 53 yards the 50 yard was against the raiders in the first meeting he had three catches for 61 yards and a touchdown in the second meeting against the raiders in week 15 last year i rap sheet said also that his source says that he could be called up pretty quickly. I think he can actually make an impact and and actually help that offense because Deshaun Jackson, uh, he's got to catch up. But Henry Ruggs played 69% of the offensive snaps. At 34, going on 35, D-Jax is not going to play that many snaps. So you have him and Tyron Johnson to kind of fill that void that Henry Ruggs leaves behind. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and I just look at the offense. Now, here's the thing. And everybody, I've been on a radio show covering the Raiders, Mo, for four years. If anybody wants to come at me and say that I've been negative about Derek Carr, they can kiss my backside, okay? Because I have not been. <laughs> I've always been very objective. When he plays well, I give him credit. And I even defend him when people are ridiculously overcritical of him, okay? But you look at the Raiders over the last two games. Again, we have to go over the last two games. And even this last game, okay? They averaged a decent almost six yards per play, okay? So that's not terrible. It's not like they weren't moving the ball. What they couldn't do is sustain drives. They ran just a 51 offensive plays last week, okay? They ran 21 plays um, in, in fell into that 17-7 halftime hole, okay? So tell me why your quarterback doesn't lead you out of that. I'm sorry, he's got culpability. To your point, he's got the ball in his hands. What is going on? Is it all of the distractions about what, from, from what happened during the course of the year? Derek Carr says no. Of course, it's in their mind. But we've heard the term, and I saw you tweet it out a couple times, compartmentalize is fine. But and I keep hearing these guys say all the right things like they should. We're professionals. We have to keep that stuff separate. But clearly, over the last two weeks, this offense is broken and everybody in it is broken. No one is sustaining drives. The offensive line continues to not work well. We have all the pre-snap penalties. Look at the game on Sunday night against the Chiefs. Alex Leatherwood, his 10th false start. Uh, Parker had Brandon Parker again with key penalties at terrible times all pre-snap so this offense 
Everyone said during the offseason, work on the defense, work on the defense. You and I said offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. <laughs> and so far, mm-hmm. when the Raiders have looked bad this season, Mo, and they've looked very good at times too, it's been that offensive line. Right, and I'm not going to try to sit here and say this is all Derek Carr's fault. No. That, that Chiefs loss, I, I feel like he had a meh game. It wasn't terrible. Right. It wasn't good either. It was kind of meh. Now, I will say this. Now, I will defend him in this matter when I hear people say, well, what is he doing throwing up the ball You know, on third down? <laughs> what, you know, He could have made a better decision. I remember, Scott, last two years people say he's got to give his wide receivers, his tight end, a chance. He's got to throw it up and at least try to draw a P.I., a pass interference. Now, he does that against the Chiefs, and people are still upset at him. So what do you want him to do? Do you want him to take the sack, <laughs> throw it a ball, or do you want him to throw it up? Because those are his only two decisions when he has three defensive linemen bearing down his neck. Right. So I'm not here to say it's all Derek Carr's fault. He has to be a big part of it because he is the quarterback. And if people people have been tweeting me, Derek Carr's a top five quarterback. Derek Carr's a top ten quarterback. I have consistently said he's slightly outside the top ten in that 12-13 range. And people continuously tweet at me, he's top five. No, he's top ten. Well, if he's that good, he can get you some wins despite the loss of Henry Ruggs with the Darren Waller, with the Hunter Renfro. Now he has speed as Deshaun Jackson catches up with the playbook. You bring in Tyron Johnson, who I think is going to be called up soon. You have some weapons there. You have two running backs who can catch the ball at the backfield. You cannot tell me if he is a top five, top ten quarterback. I'm not saying he has to win every game, but he can get you a couple of key wins down the stretch if you need it. But what makes a top five quarterback? To me, it's not stats, man. I keep saying, PFF mm-hmm. put out some stats as we all, oh, long throws. Who the heck cares? You have to win <laughs> football games. And again, I like Derek Carr. Good man. And I've not been overly critical of him. But at this time, we saw him off the field demonstrate a level of leadership that was phenomenal through all of mm-hmm. this turmoil they've had. Okay? And he deserves all the credit in the world. I, I give him all of it. Good man. Good leader. But on the football field, you have to do that. You can't go down again and play the Kansas City Chiefs at home in the biggest game of the year with massive playoff implications, including AFC West title implications, and go one of nine on third down. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And yes, some of it's on him, some of it's not on him. But he is part of the issue right now. Not right. saying he can't fix it, to your point. A lot of the oh, eight games left are done. You and I had said they would win eight or nine games all season long. So to us, we're not surprised. But to me, to give up on the season too much, to think that they're just going to turn it around on a dime, also, I think, is looking through rose-colored glasses, or in this case, silver and black-colored glasses. Yeah, it's funny. It's, I, I get one of two opinions on Twitter. It's either people have already, because of what ha- what's happened the last two seasons, people have already closed the book on this one, and I'm saying, hold on, wait a minute. This team has, you know, I understand what the scoring stats say about the defense, but the Raiders didn't have a pass rush last year. They didn't have Casey Hayward locking down the boundary last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they do have some pieces, and they do have, they, they have made some strides on defense that they didn't have last year. So the defense is different. So they're going to have some help on that side of the ball. Now, they had a pretty bad, their worst performance of the season against the Chiefs. I get it. But I don't think it's going to be that bad for the rest of the way. That defense is going to step up when it has to down the stretch. It's, to me, it's it, it falls on the offense because people are going to say, well, Henry Ruggs hasn't been there the last two games. They haven't been able to crack 17 points. Well, guess what? The Raiders didn't crack 17 points twice while Henry Ruggs was there. <laughs> Remember the Bears game? Remember oh, the yeah. Chargers game? That it, It's happened four times now, two with Ruggs and two without Ruggs. And they've had this perpetual issue with the red zone that's that's existed before Ruggs. So don't give me, oh, Henry Ruggs 
changes the entire offense. They can't move the ball without him. No, they have to work out some issues that they've had before rugs, and that they have the pieces that can solve some of their, some of their problems. They just have to get it again. Derek Carr, Greg Olson have to get in a room, get it together because they have the pieces. It's, can they do it? No, and that's it. And, and I think the Ruggs thing for fans, frankly, Raider Nation, I'm talking to you out there, it's an excuse. Excuse, yes. <laughs> you're, you're using it as an excuse to look over what you already missed, right, which is some of the holes that we talk about here and others, uh, you know, other journalists and radio hosts have talked about as well. You know, I always hear this Raider, the Raider Nation talking about how, oh, the national media doesn't give us any respect. They hate us. Blah, blah. Well, why would you? <laughs> look what happens. Okay, so so my point is that no, the season's not over. Is it going to go the way you thought when they were when they were two and zero? Everybody was thinking Super Bowl, right? Everybody's thinking 11, 12, or at least not everybody, but some people were thinking unrealistically, in my view, that they do this. The offense has now crapped the bed two games in a row. Okay, and to your point, they had a couple other games. So when the offense is off, this team does just not move. It doesn't go. Right. It doesn't matter how well the defense plays. So you're, for, your, for your team to win, you have to have that offense going. Now, on the other side of the ball, Mo, defense. Gus Bradley's game plan against the Chiefs. I, Gus Bradley's done a great job this year. I don't know what the heck he was thinking. I, I, I don't know what was going on. Sticking with cover three at times instead of doing the too high safety alignment. They did it a couple of times. They faked it a couple of times to make it look like they were going to play it. But he schemed and planned horribly. They didn't get the pass rush. We talked about it on last week's show. They had to have the pass rush from the front four. They could not get home. And I love Max Crosby. Max Crosby is one of the young, budding stars in this league. But don't tell me about his pressures. I don't care about his pressures. He has to sack the quarterback. You're absolutely right about that, Scott. Letting off some fire there. Yeah, we we both are. (laughs) But I, I totally understand you. And... I never answer the tweets about the holding. I get it. Max Crosby got <laughs> tackled on one play. He did. I do. I do. I saw it, and I get it. But you know what? The best, the best pass rushers in the league—that's what they deal with on virtually every play. So I'm not gonna say, oh, because the refs didn't call holding on Max Crosby, that's why you know the Raiders lost and the defense sucked. I mean, you're—if you're a budding player in this league, you're gonna be one of the best. You're gonna have to fight through that. That's just that. Is it fair? No, but that's just the reality of it. Now, as far as this defense is concerned with their game planning, I found it interesting that the Chiefs were able to just single out John Abram. And we've talked about John <laughs> Abram previously on the oh, show, yeah. making some strides. He took a huge step back. He got mossed by Terrell yeah. Williams in the end zone. I believe he was targeted nine times, and he allowed all nine completions. Yeah. They, basically, they basically got the matchup they wanted with him and just picked on him all night, along with him with um, Brandon Faison on the outside. Yeah, nine catches for 127 yards and two touchdowns against Jonathan Abram. He nice. not only went backwards, he he dialed up the Back <laughs> to the Future DeLorean and went back like 20 years, man. I mean, this was terrible. And, and again, you and I have given him a lot of credit here on the show for the work he's put in, for his maturity and what he did but yeah it was a massive step back and that's my biggest concern too mo is that you know i said it before in the piece i wrote up uh uh, for for the station we're on in vegas on sundays i wrote a piece saying you know the top three things they needed to do to win and one was you got to be able to know how to play and you got to show up in big games right because you getting in the playoffs doesn't matter you try to win in the playoffs and this was a precursor, and this had a playoff feel to the game. Not only was it a division game against your arch rival, one of your arch rivals, but it was a big game on a national stage. And guess what? They all failed. 
I mean, that's just the way it is. I know Raider Nation doesn't want to see hear it, and they want to blame the referees, and they want to talk about how bad the broadcasters are and how the broadcasters are anti-Raider and all that crap. You know what's anti-Raider, Mo? Anti-Raider is penalties <laughs> that are terrible pre-snap. Anti-Raider is not catching the football. Anti-Raider is not being able to cover a guy and giving up 127 yards and two touchdowns. That is what's anti-Raider. You know what else is anti-writer? A commitment to excuses. Yeah. And I and I I tweeted I tweeted I tweeted this last week. I was like, oh. look, I don't want to hear any excuses. We've heard it already. I I get it. it's been a tough season for the Raiders. They've gone through some things that no other team has gone through this season. I yep. understand that, but no one's gonna feel sorry for you. And you have to be able to compartmentalize, as you said it early in the in the in the show. And move forward. And, and as I tweeted also, we talk about the offense one more time. The offense put up, I, I believe they racked up 403 yards against the Giants and just couldn't punch it in the in the end zone. If Derek Carr connects with Darren Wall in the end zone and, and Carlson splits the uprights on a 25-yard field goal, that game is tied. You're going in overtime with a, with a chance to win. So don't give me, oh, the offense is wrecked now. The refs are against us. This is You have to pull your big, big boy pants up, <laughs> play football, and win football games. That's yes. it. I, I just don't want to hear the excuses this year. Yes. And now that we have that off our chest, I want to talk about Mo is is moving forward because you're right. We talked about it at the beginning of this, which is this team has the offensive firepower to score on anyone. They have the offensive firepower. Yes, they lost Alec Ingold. God bless him and his knee. Terrible, terrible injury yeah. to lose him for the season. Uh, but they have other tools there. We talk about Kenyon Drake. We talk about Josh Jacobs. We talk about Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, uh, Zay Jones, some of these other guys. Uh, and now you have Tray- Trayvon, uh, Tray- Tyron Johnson, excuse me. Um, so, so you have it there. So, Mo, for them to get going, we know it's the red zone thing. That's been a, a, an underlying story for three seasons. Uh, but what else do they need to do? And what else have you seen that gives you the hope that Raider Nation should have that this team can turn this around starting this Sunday against the Bengals? Well, number one, a great. I don't know how they're going to do it. I, as you mentioned, Alec Ingo is a huge loss for the for the ground attack. He's a, he's the lead blocker out there. They have to find some way to at least get the running backs involved where they're running the ball effectively or getting the ball out on those short passes. You know how I said, you know, you can use a short passing game to supplement the run game if it's non-existent. Now, they move, when they move Alex Leatherwood inside, I was telling people the Reds had eclipsed 115 rushing yards in back-to-back weeks. Uh, of course, that fell apart against the Chiefs. So they, they fell behind on the game script, mm-hmm. so they really couldn't run the ball down multiple touchdowns. But... You have to find a way to at least establish a run or get the running backs involved as pass catches out of the backfield. That's number one. You gotta help your you gotta help out your quarterback and because he Derek Carr can't throw deep on all those passes because you don't want to be a predictable offense. You want to switch it up a little bit there. Uh you have to we talked about earlier in the show, you have to get the ball to Darren Waller. He's your star player, he's your best pass catcher. Mm-hmm. Stars as you said, stars play big in big games. So your star has to show up. Darren Waller hasn't eclipsed 60 receiving yards since week two. Wow. So people are saying, well, Ruggs is not there to open it up for Darren Waller. Well, Ruggs was there week three. <laughs> Ruggs is there week four. Ruggs is there, you know. So yeah. you can't tell me the absence of Ruggs is the reason why Darren Waller has been underwhelming this season. He has to be involved, and he has to be at about 100 yards with a touchdown in these games because he has to step it up. The other thing I wrote about on Vegas Sports today is that I think Derek Carr – has to establish a consistent rapport with Brian Edwards. And the last two, the past two off seasons, Derek Carr has has said he's developed a trust in Brian Edwards. He compared Brian Edwards to Devontae Adams. I'm not saying 
Brian Edwards has to be Devontae Adams, but if you trust him that much, get him involved before the fourth quarter. He has to be involved in that offense between quarters one to three and have more consistency to keep that offense going through the air. All right, we're going to step aside for our first break. When we come back, Mo and I are going to be joined by former NFL player, six years in the NFL, actually, also an Emmy Award-winning broadcaster, NFL Radio, Sirius XM, also from the Believe in Bengals podcast, Mr. Solomon Wilcox. If you've not heard Solomon before, not only does he break down the great game, but he is also great on the air. So when we come back, we're going to be joined. We're going to preview the Bengals and the Raiders coming up here Sunday in Las Vegas. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 SoCal Sports Talk. Scott and Mo on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 AM. Welcome back. Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 SoCal Sports Talk. And we're going to shift focus from what was going on with the Raiders to what's going to go on this weekend at Allegiant Stadium as the Cincinnati Bengals roll into town to take on the Raiders. And to do that, we're excited to be joined by uh, former NFL veteran, of course, Solomon Wilcott's Emmy award-winning broadcaster. You can hear him as I do every morning on my commute on NFL radio on Sirius XM. He's also the host uh, along with Pac-Man Jones of the Believe in Bengals podcast. Solomon, thanks for being with us here on the show. I'm so glad to be on with you guys. Hope you're doing well today. We are. We appreciate that. Um, all right, let's jump in. And, and Solomon, I know these teams are so different in so many ways, but the Bengals and the Raiders, as they roll into Vegas on Sunday, very similar situations. Both teams, after starting off with some nice win streaks, some nice press, you guys talking about them on national radio and on national TV, uh, and, and suddenly both teams lost two in a row and going into this game kind of in search for their soul again to make sure they stay on track to, to make a playoff run. When you look at the Bengals, what's been the difference over this two-game losing streak versus what they were doing earlier in the season yeah Scott you know the defense had been playing very well particularly the defensive front they've been getting pressure on the opposing quarterback without having to blitz the acquisition and free agency of Trey Hedrickson along with um, Sam Hubbard and obviously Larry Ogunjobi he came over as a free agent defensive tackle to go along with DJ Reader they've been very good at getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks um, just with the front four, they did a great job against Lamar Jackson, controlling and containing him in the pocket. And then on the back end, the secondary has been holding up over the last couple of weeks, been giving up an inordinary amount of plays against the Jets, 
Um, and then again against Cleveland. That game got away from them very quickly. And now coming off the bye, they're trying to avoid their third straight loss. They know they have to play better on defense. And on offense, Joe Burrow has to do a better job of protecting the football. So you talked about Joe Burrow, and right now he leads the league in interceptions. Now, you said you he has to do a better job protecting the football. Would you rather see him pull it back a little bit, or or is the reason that the Bengals have started off 5-4 and four with some impressive wins is because he takes chances? How does he balance that between taking chances downfield with that impressive wide receiver core and pulling it back and kind of not putting the team in bad situations? Yeah, I wouldn't say he took chances. I just think he, he went where the defense allowed him. Early in the season, remember, uh, Jamar Chase was just the first round pick with a lot of promise. And But once he started to produce a week after week after week, he started to draw more uh, double coverage. And now what that means is Joe Burrow, when he needs to make a play, you can't go forcing it into Jamar Chase, uh, even if he's double covered. If you go back and take a look at the last couple of weeks, um, Tyler Boyd has been sort of missing in action within this offense. And he can beat single man-to-man coverage all day by himself. He's great at finding teams inside the zone. T. Higgins, you go back a week ago against Cleveland, he was working Greg Newsom, the first-round pick out of Northwest. He was making a, a killing in the game. And for whatever reason, look, when Joe feels like he needs to make a play, he's going to go to what he's most comfortable with. That's Jamar Chase. And I think he's just got to do a better job of developing the comfort level with the other guys because they are very good players um, and uh, equally, um, I think, demanding of opportunities within the offense. If he does that, I don't. I think you see the interceptions come down. I still think you see the big time plays stay at a at a high, and I think the offense becomes more efficient and you avoid the turnover ratio. Now, you talk about those big plays, and Jamar Chase is usually the culprit in a lot of those. There was a lot of discussion about the Bengals, their fifth overall pick. Do they go with Chase or Penny Sewell, that offensive tackle out of Oregon? And a lot of people criticized that pick. But do you think it was a little overblown with the Bengals signing Riley Reef, who's not great but serviceable? And, of course, they selected Jackson Carmen, who shifted from tackle to guard. So with those moves, do you think in hindsight it was the right choice, or do you think they should have probably went in a different direction? Yeah, see, I, I think – and that's the big misnomer. If you check at least around Cincinnati, no one criticized this. I think a lot of people right. were in the camp of Panay Sewell. They should go with the offensive staff. Once they made the pick of Jamar Chase, I don't think you can find anyone who killed that pick. You might find people who say, I would rather they have taken the offensive tackle because this is a quarterback who was bludgeoned a year ago. Mm-hmm. He was beat up, in fact. He still is getting hit way too much. And so I think a lot of people, including myself, you absolutely love the pick um, of DeMar Chase because there's no way you're going to kill that. He is by far the best receiver in this year's draft class. It's just that offensive tackles do a better job of protecting your franchise quarterback more than receivers. So uh, no one's going to kill the pick of DeMar Chase, but I think you can advocate the fact that they should have put more resources in protecting the quarterback more than anything. And I, I still think you're going to find people around town. And even in the national media, as you look, uh, they're still going to advocate toward that. But I, I don't think you're going to find anyone saying, man, that was a bad <laughs> pick to take Jamar Chase, right? 
Yeah, hundred percent with you on that one. And I remember when Jamar Chase was drafted; he was very confident in himself. Said he wanted to break records. I believe he's on pace to top Chad Johnson's Bengals receiving yards record for this for a single season. In your opinion, do you think he actually will be the new record holder, or does he fall short? I think he's going to set a ton of records. <laughs> now, I, I would rather him not set that record and see the ball more evenly distributed because mm-hmm. I think their chance of winning goes mm-hmm. up. So, you know, um, you know, it's kind of like what Mike Tomlin said to Willie Parker back in the day. Every time he walks in the building, he walks past Vince Lombardi trophies, not past the trucking title. <laughs> now, the Bengals don't have uh, the Lombardi trophies in their building, but they're chasing the ultimate as a team. And obviously, you're going to put team goals over those individual goals. And I, I believe if, if when, and Burrow, let's face it, he's still a young quarterback, right? He's still growing in this league. The guy is so courageous. Um, even Aaron Rodgers told him, hey, man, you got to start getting down. You got to stop taking those hits. You got to save your body. <laughs> you know, I mean, Aaron admires the play of Joe Burrow. So many of these veteran quarterbacks do, but they also want to see him be more judicious in terms of what he's doing, take less punishment, and they want to see him be successful. I think we all believe he's going to be that. Part of that is learning to evenly distribute the ball and maybe go away from your favorite target when you see he's in a crowd and, and work the one-on-one matchup a little bit more, particularly why you still have the diversity and talent around Jamar Chase with a Tyler Boyd and a T. Higgins and a U, and, and uh, C.J. Usama at the tight end position. Yeah, no doubt about it. Great advice from Aaron Rodgers. Again, we're talking to the great Solomon Wilcox. You can follow him on Twitter at Solomon's Wisdom, which I highly recommend. You can listen to him on the Believe in Bengals podcast and, of, of course, every morning on NFL Radio on Sirius XM. And uh, Solomon, the last offensive question I want to ask you about is about another, I think, key piece of that, that D, uh, excuse me, that offense, uh, which is Joe Mixon. Not only is Joe Mixon a good running back, of course, but he had 110 scrimmage yards uh, in the in the week before the bye. In week nine, uh, he had 64 on the ground, 46 catching the ball. Talk about the importance of Joe Mixon in helping Joe Burrow keep that offense moving. Well, you know, think about Zach Taylor, and he came here from the LA Rams that worked with Sean McVay. You understand, Sean McVay came from the Washington football team when. Mike and Kyle Shanahan had been there. Um, so when you think about the offense, the same offense that you see the Vikings running, Gary Kubiak took it from Denver uh, to Houston, then from Houston on uh, with the Baltimore Ravens, then he went to Minnesota. His son, Clint Kubiak, is the offense coordinator there now. And this is the same offense that early in his career, Kirk Cousins had been working in. Remember, he was drafted mm-hmm. by Shanahan and end up there in Minnesota. So the same way that they leverage the talents of a Dalvin Cook, right, in the Vikings offense, that's kind of what you're looking to get from the same thing that you're getting, say, in Cleveland with, you know, with Kevin Stefanski who came from Minnesota, and they're leveraging the talents of their running back, Nick Stubb, to help with the passing. It's the same system, same one you see in with the 49ers in San Francisco. It starts with the run game. These coaches who borrow someone else's playbook, <laughs> for whatever reason, they learn it. But it's kind of like borrowing your mother's recipe. and It doesn't quite <laughs> taste the same, right? <laughs> but I got the book. I got the recipe. I got, the, I got everything right. I put into it with two 
but you're not working at that. That it's got to really. I, I think a lot of these young coaches are learning that. I mean, you saw what happened to McVay going up against the master and Kyle Shanahan in Monday night. Mm-hmm. Your Kyle Shanahan came with the run game and all these new toys that McVay went out and got just didn't work, did it? Because the one critical, important part missing even from the Rams offense is the run game. Yep. And it's the same offense that Zach Taylor's brought to Cincinnati. And every now and then he gets away from Joe Mixon and it all breaks down. Why mm-hmm. do you have to lose? <laughs> two or three games, you realize I got to go back to Mixon to get everything right. So that's where they're at. Once they get away from Joe, it all crumbles. And I'm talking Joe Mixon, not Joe Burrow. Um, it's, these coaches, they want to feature their quarterback. You don't, you so don't South- hear coaches. We don't hear coaches being called gurus for running the football, do we? They don't no. get called gurus when they run the ball. But they win a lot of games. I do know that. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So, Solomon, at the top of the segment, you talked about the Bengals' pass rush. You talked about Trey Hendrickson and the, and the Bengals basically getting pressure at the line of scrimmage without blitzing, which is something that the Raiders have been doing pretty well of, by the way. Now, the Bengals' defense has struggled the first few years under Lou Anarumo. And is there anything other than the pass rush that the Raiders had to look out for? Because they also picked up Wuzier. They picked up Mike Hill on the back end. They traded for B.J. Hill. Those guys are having good seasons. Logan Wilson, I think, has become a second-year star in that, off in that defense. So are those players that the Raiders should also be looking out for when they play the Bengals uh, today in their kickoff? Yeah, all those guys you mentioned are phenomenal players. I mean, they, you know, Chidobia Wuzier has been a huge addition. You know, um, and, you know, the linebackers do a wonderful job in pass coverage. And what has happened the last couple of weeks, people have found Eli Apple. Yeah. You know, Eli Apple is a former mm-hmm. first-round pick out of Ohio State. Everywhere he's been, whether it was with the Giants, whether it was with Saints, and now with the Bengals, the opposing team tends to find him. There's no way the Raiders are going to watch tape and not realize they that they can make plays by going at Eli Apple. Now, you don't need me to come on the radio and say it. I mean, that's just fact. Um, if they're doing their jobs, I think that reveals itself right away. So, if you see Derek Carr look over there toward Eli Apple and they get Hunter Renfro up against them or Brian Edwards or even <laughs> Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> I mean, it won't take long for them to Kill, 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 check, check. <laughs> and they're going to check over there, and that's where the ball's going. No doubt about it. Solomon, be- before we let you go, I just want to ask you a question about the Raiders. Clearly, the Raiders have had a, a tumultuous season. Of course, the John Gruden stuff, and-, and you cover the entire league every day, so you you know how this goes. But I'm interested in your in your personal experience as a player because um, you have the John Gruden thing. That was bad enough. And then you have the Henry Ruggs situation, the tragedy, and what happened with his, his decision, unfortunately, that changed so many lives. Um, as a player, you know, the players keep saying, you talk to Derek Carr, you talk to other guys, and they say, well, we're compartmentalizing this. Can that really happen? And and how much do you think that plays in to maybe a little bit of their malaise and what's happened with the Raiders over the last couple of weeks? Compartmentalizing means, let's be real, we're going to put this in a box and we're going to just put it over here and forget about it and not allow it to impact the other things that we do. Yeah, it's very difficult, you know, because mm-hmm. you got if it was a – you know, two-man team or maybe a three-man team. You should probably get the other few guys to come together. But it's 50, 80 guys, even more than that, in the building. You've got media, social media. you got these external platforms that continue to 
I mean, talk about it. It's going to resurface just like we're talking about it even right now. Mm-hmm. It's not going away. You can't, you can't avoid it. Um, so what you have to do is you can't pretend it's not happening. Um, you can't let it distract you, but you got to be able to deal with it in a way that allows you to move on. I think that's very difficult. Let's face it. Football is an emotional sport. And those things that drain you emotionally take away from the energy needed to focus on the game, play the game at a very high level. There's no way about it. It's either allow it to fuel you or it's going to take away from you. And I, I don't know how you can let something like that fuel you. It's just very difficult. I, I think Derek Carr has managed this as well as I've seen any young man handle a crisis like this. This is beyond all of them. In fact, they shouldn't even be asked to endure anything like this, but, um, you know, it, it's right in front of them, and uh, it's going to be tough to do it. Um, let's face it. The Chiefs have won this division five consecutive years. The Raiders are in first place. Chargers in. By the time this whole thing, the dust settles on this whole thing, Chiefs are back in first place. They were in last place. Incredible. Because they're not dealing with the extra baggage that the Raiders are going to have to deal with. I, I think the Raiders are going to have to quickly mature as a unit. They're going to have to stick together, and they cannot find excuses for why it doesn't get done. Yeah. We won't. Let's not judge it now. Let's wait till the season's over, and then we'll be able to have a conversation about that. Love that. Great advice, of course. Solomon Wilcox, the great Solomon Wilcox. Catch him on NFL radio on Sirius XM in the mornings and also the Believe in Bengals podcast. Solomon, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and uh, we look forward to watching the game. Bengals and the Raiders, enjoy. All right, guys. Take care. All the best. All right. Bye-bye. There you go. All right, Mo, there you go. I mean, what were we saying earlier? No excuses. The great Solomon Wilcox there talking, you know, and that's why I asked him the question, Mo, at the end of the at the end of the interview there was because the Raiders are going through this crazy time and I don't believe that you can compartmentalize. And, and Solomon basically said that you can't. It takes energy. But he said you can't have, make excuses for where you're at. Right, because at the end of the year, when when. Guys, when people are making decisions on jobs, they're not saying, well, it was a tough year. The Raiders went through this and that. No, they're going to make decisions based on the results. Yeah. It's a bottom line business. I, I hate to sound like a you know, a callous person on this one, but that that's how decisions are made. There, there are no excuses in the NFL, period. There's not. And, I mean, Mo, this, this team, I think, has to make a statement on Sunday when they play the Bengals. This is a tough game. I mean, the Bengals are a good young team. You, talk, you heard Solomon talk about what they had on offense, what they have on defense. Uh, and so I think the Raiders' defense will be, get back to where they need to play, and then the offense is going to have to show up. Yeah, it has to be a complete game. We talked about complimentary football for weeks now, and the Raiders, as I said, I'm not worried about the defense. It's the offense. Darren Waller has to show up. I know Solomon Wilcox talked about their linebacker, Logan Wilson, who I agree I think is going to be a star in this league. But Darren Waller has to get it done. Uh, If Deshaun Jackson has to pop up for 20% of the plays, get some big catches, has to get it done. The running game 
doesn't have to be 150 yards, but has to keep the defense honest. If they can do that, the Raiders can win this game. They can, and and I like the Raiders in this game. I know a lot of people are down on them. Uh, you know, the the Eors, the people who are down on the entire world, and they don't want to be positive. But I think the Raiders come out and they and they pick it back up. What the future holds, we don't know. I think this is a not like you said, not a gotta win game, but it's pretty dang close. You want to win out at home here, especially after disappointing loss. You want to bounce back, get your swagger back, get your confidence back. If you're Jonathan Abram, don't allow two touchdowns in 127 yards. If you're Derek Carr, find Darren Waller all day long. Uh, and I think they will. Scott, and the other thing is you have a game, you know, three, four days later yeah, against short the week. Cowboys on the road on a short week. So <laughs> you lose this game and drop to five and five. You're looking at five and six if you if you if your offense is not right against a Cowboys team that's on fire offensively. That's right. And in fact, um, we're out of time tonight, Mo. But the next time we talk, you and I will be we're gonna double dose it. We're gonna be able to talk about the Bengals game and we're gonna be able to talk about the Cowboys game because we'll be on Friday, of course the day after Thanksgiving, which happens to be on my birthday this year. So I get to eat turkey on my birthday, which is a good thing. So we'll do all of that right here on Southern California's only All Raiders talk show that, of course, Silver and Black tonight. My friend, my good friend, Mr. Maurice Moten, thank you, my friend. And uh, we'll talk to you. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you uh, next Friday. Saying to you, one message, though. Raiders, you have to win one of these next two games because the show will be miserable. The doors <laughs> blown off twice, and we have to talk about that. That's right. That's right. Win one game. At least one. That's right, Mo. It's about us, not them. That's right. They need to win so that we have something good to talk about. I appreciate that. All right. uh, For my partner, Mo Mo, make sure you follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L-V Gully. For everyone here, Silver and Black tonight, have a great Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you the day after, hopefully the day after two wins for the Raiders on Sunday and then, of course, on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys. Enjoy your time. Enjoy your family. And we'll talk to you next time, Southern California. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black tonight, every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 AM. SoCal Sports Talk.